thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. As it is Wednesday, we will be diving into healthcare. Today's date is May 3rd, 2017. I'm Christine Hargis, and I'm joined via phone by longtime fool.com contributor Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? Hi, Christine. I was wondering whether or not we should film the show on our couches today. Uh, seeing how we're going to be doing a little self-reflection, it seems. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I was like, where is he going with this? But yeah. So Todd has been investing for a long time, and I'm only a couple of years in, but we thought that we would do some reflection today on some of our biggest winners and losers and mistakes we've made and lessons we've learned. And so, yeah, it, it might be time to break out those reclining couches. <laughs> Absolutely. And settle in and get comfortable and get ready to point and laugh at, at our mistakes and, <laughs> and hopefully learn learn from some of the, uh, the trials and the tribulations um, that we've experienced. Yep, that's the goal. So, Todd, since your wisdom comes from so much more experience than I have, I'm going to hand the mic to you to start with. Well, I, I thought that this would be an important show to do for everyone, uh, including myself. Um, you know, I've been investing since the early 90s, since I was in my 20s. And I can honestly say that I think I've tried every investment approach over the years. Uh, and I've got the scars and, and what's left of my gray hair to prove it. And I, I think that one of the, the, the things that's intriguing about having that body of experience, if you will, to look back on is to be able to say, okay, well, what, what has worked and what hasn't worked? And, you know, over time, I mean, nutshelling it, and I'm going to illustrate my point later on, but I've discovered that, you know, you really do need to worry less about the quarter to quarter machinations of, you know, the financial performance or whatever happens to be driving the stock for the day or the week or the month. And you have to truly just go out and say, okay, what's the potential for this company to to disrupt and significantly change the industry in which it participates in. And by doing that, you're making investing so much easier because you're saying, okay, I know that I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes. And I also know that by my managing a diversified portfolio of stocks, that the majority of my returns are gonna come from the minority of my stocks, not the majority. So what I'm most concerned is saying, okay, what is the catalyst the reason behind getting involved in the stock, and does that catalyst still ring true today for the long haul? And like I mentioned, I have a couple stocks that I picked out one one winner and one loser uh, that I thought might be might be fun to to go through and talk about a little bit more. Right, you made a lot of really awesome points there, and so I want to elaborate on a couple of them before we move on to some specific examples. Uh, the first one is what you were saying about the quarter-to-quarter -quarter anxiety, and I think that's something that kind of starts to dissolve the longer you've been doing this. I'm, I know for me, when I first started buying stocks, I was really concerned about what they did a week after I first purchased. And you know, the longer your time window is, the more you realize that they go up and they go down, and it's really about how much they go up eventually. 
actually. You know, we on Industry Focus, we did a series of episodes uh, maybe a couple of months ago now where our financial host, Gabby LaPera, picked out a basket of stocks, one from each sector, that were going to be her first stock purchases. And it was so funny for the next week or so, she's like watching her portfolio. And she's like, Christine, what I bought is down 1% today. Why did, why did you guys pitch this to me? And she was joking, of course, because she knows our foolish philosophy of long term. But still, it's really hard at first not to get wrapped up in these day to day or quarter to quarter fluctuations. And the other point that I just wanted to emphasize because it was such a good one is that the majority of your returns will come from a small minority of the winners. And if you think about the math behind it, it's actually. It makes a lot of sense because your stocks can only go down 100%. And of course, that's the worst case scenario. You don't really want that to happen. But the ones that go up a lot that you were really, really right about, they can go up way more than 100%. And hopefully, over enough time, they will double, triple, 10x. And so that's when you really start to get overall a winning portfolio. So, with that introduction, Todd, I know you have some specific examples that you wanted to share. How about it? Yeah, there, were, there was a winner and there was a loser. And um, I, I wanted to take some time over the course of the, the weekend in the past couple days and go back and look at my notes and evaluate why I bought these two stocks and check in with them and see, okay, well, what has changed, if anything, uh, catalyst-wise, to, to, my, to you know, my approach? Why, why did I buy them and has anything changed that would make me not want to own them today, if you will? So on the winning side of the column, I want to talk about Align Technology. So Align Technology is a stock that I got invested in in 2014. And like many parents out there, um, I was drawn to this company because my teenage boy needed to get braces. And as I was sitting in there and watching people pile in and pile out of my orthodontist office, I started thinking to myself, you know, what has really changed in the way of braces over the last 20 or 30 years? I mean, other than adding charms to your uh, metal brackets that, you know, reflect your sports interests, uh, what has really changed in this way? Wait, and do they really have that now? That, I'm so sorry that? to cut you off. Do they actually have that now? Yeah. my. My son, unfortunately, wasn't a candidate for Invisalign, which is Align Technologies uh, product, because he had um, a more severe need of straightening, if you will, uh, than, a, than Invisalign can address. So he actually picked the Patriots colors, because I know, God forbid, right, we're up here in New England, and uh, that happens to be his team. Please forgive us, <laughs> rest, of, rest of the United States. You know half um, our listeners just stopped listening. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Shutting off left and right, left and right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so so they they actually do have that, and you know, so much. You think about the 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 potential to disrupt that market, and to think about the millions and millions of of adults too and teenage kids who um, need braces or want braces, and and fortunately can afford those braces. And you know, if you can come in with a product that saves some money, cuts the cost, and you can create a better, more desirable experience for the patient, well, that's a win-win in my book. And that's one of the that's the big reason that that I went out and I bought Invisalign, which is now a, up 170 percent for me. You know, you talked about again the minority of of stocks outperforming uh, the majority of underperformers or or whatnot. This was obviously a, a big winner, right? Um, so up 170% since May of 2014. 
And, you know, I'd like to say that I knew that I was going to get, you know, that kind of a return in, you know, a few short years, but that's not the case. You know, my decision to buy them was simply, okay, how much of the market have they penetrated now with Invisalign? And do I think that consumers are going to want a clear aligner system rather than metal brackets? Uh, and what is the opportunity to expand that beyond the United States uh, as, as a global platform? So when you're looking at this company going forward, I, you're still a shareholder, right? I am. And I have no, after reviewing the, the, doing my homework this past weekend, there's nothing that has changed as far as the reasons behind why I bought it and would want to own it. You know, if you look at the most recent quarter, sales were up 30% year over year. You know, if you look back at the Q1 2014, the quarter before I, I bought my shares, revenue growth was only up, only, only, right? Only up 18%. So you've got, as they're making a, a more headway into treating more complicated um, cases, and as they're making more headway in rolling out this product Invisalign globally in important markets like Asia, for example, where you know billions of people <laughs> theoretically live and are getting wealthier and can afford uh, products like this, um, you know, the, I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. You know, I think that investors always benefit from going through and reading the earnings transcripts of companies, and I recommend that they do that for Align Technology because. They will learn some interesting things about the growth opportunities in places like South America, uh, i.e. Brazil and Asia, and what they're doing to try and attack uh, to, to better penetrate the market, um, the teenage market. And I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity, I guess, still from here. I mean, if you look at their annualized shipments for cases, it's running out about 800,000 cases. They estimate the total market opportunity would be 10 million cases. So you're really only talking about 8% penetrated. Uh, across the entire market. That's incredible. Yeah. So before we turn over to uh, a potential loser that you might want to talk about, uh, what, what would you say is the biggest uh, lesson that you've learned from Align? So don't get worried about the, the quarter to quarter machinations. You know, I, I mean, there's lots of, they, listen, there's been competitors who, who, like 3M, that are rolling out their own products. There's been some patent disputes. There are a lot of reasons that day to day I could have looked at this and said, oh boy, you know, maybe the run is over and I should book this game. But instead I looked at it and I said, no, they're still the leader in this space and they're 100% tied to this disruptive product. So as long as that remains to be the case um, and revenue continues to grow the way it is, uh, I, I, I think that this is a, a stock that I, I can seek holding on to for years and years. Very nice. And before we move on, thanks to Slack for supporting our podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. Here at The Motley Fool, we love Slack. Slack allows you to organize your team and reduce emails, which is awesome. They have real-time messaging, video and voice calls, there's group file sharing, searchable archives in all just one easy-to-use app that works on both desktop and mobile. So no more searching through emails or multiple systems to find that one follow-up that you need. Slack saves time and improves productivity by keeping everything on one platform. You can tailor Slack to your work with over 900 apps, and their drag-and-drop file sharing works with all the apps that you already use, like Dropbox and Google Drive and Trello. Honestly, I was very excited to have Slack supporting our podcast because it really is an awesome tool, and I can't imagine working without it. 
Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. That is slack.com. Okay, Todd, so turning over to <laughs> something, uh, an investment decision that maybe you can't brag about quite as much, but hopefully can still learn from. And I think that this is very important, Christine, right? I mean, you have to be willing to, to look at your losers. You have to be willing to say, okay, you know, why is this stock down? And is there a reason something changed dramatically that makes me no longer, you know, think that the, the reason I bought it holds true anymore? And it's tough. That's probably the toughest thing, Christine, to do sometimes, right? Is oh, I would back, much look, rather just forget about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, bury your head in the sand and just say, okay, I'm going to move on, right? Uh, so my loser is Mylan. And Mylan, you may know, over the course of the last year, has been the subject of a lot of um, negative press. First, for their EpiPen um, product, which um, uh, got, got called out, I guess, for, we'll call it egregious. I, I, I think that that's fair for me to say personally, what I feel to be egregious price hikes um, for the product that were a big driver of revenue growth for this one product, EpiPen. And then some some concerns uh, over the over the course of the past year, too, for some collusion maybe uh, among some of these generic drug makers on the pricing of certain products, which obviously has not been proven, but there's still, you know, some rumors and things going around that have weighed down the share price. Now, I stepped in, I bought Myland back in, uh, I, bought, I bought two blocks. I bought one block of it in July of 2015, and I added to it uh, last fall. Uh, but I'm still down, even after lowering my my average cost, I'm still down 23% on that investment. Uh, and it's it's really just due to the, the, the negative publicity that we've seen over the course of the last year. I mean, were you even thinking about EpiPen when you first bought into this company? I mean, it's primarily a generic drug maker. Yeah, no, no. EpiPen was not the reason I bought this stock. And that's one of the reasons that I added to the position last fall. And again, this is, this is why... You know, you take the long-term approach. You say, okay, what was my reason for buying it? My reason for buying it, Christine, was biosimilars, which you and I have talked about ad nauseum at various points over the course of the last year and a half. They're kind of a big deal in healthcare, right? And you know, Christine, you want to give a quick, quick and dirty on bio, what a biosimilar is? Sure. So, biosimilars are basically generic versions of really complex biologic drugs. If you want more than that, shoot me an email. We've talked about them, as Todd so appropriately put it, ad nauseum on this show. But uh, we also have a really good article on Fool.com that explains everything that you need to know about them. So, if you want that, you can email me, industryfocus at Fool.com. But if you're just looking for the basics, just think of it as a complicated generic drug. Yeah, and and the the market opportunity theoretically is huge because you've got a hundred billion dollars in branded drug sales and biologics that are losing patent protection over the course of the next five years or so. So you've got a a, a gold rush, if you will, um, of going on among different drug makers, including Myland, to develop these, you know, these alternatives. We'll call them alternative options. Uh, to these these top selling biologics, and perhaps there is no company that has made as big a push R and D wise into developing biosimilars as Mylan. They have 16 different uh, biosimilars in their R and D pipeline, and they have a couple that are closing in on potential commercialization here in North America. And, you know, when I went out and I bought shares in this, it wasn't with a view that, oh, EpiPen, you know, is a significant one of their sellers and it contributes a lot of their profitability. It was, no, 
how will the market look for biologic drugs in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? And are we on the cusp of something like what we saw in the 1990s when small molecule generic drugs first started to gain a toehold and now they you know, account for 90% of all prescriptions written? Right. So the opportunity still is clearly there for biosimilars. It sounds to me like you're holding on to Mylan. Are you bullish on it going forward? I am. I mean, I, right. If, if, if I'm still long it and I added to a year ago after determining that, you know, the EpiPen issue wasn't didn't really affect my 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 um, my thinking for getting into it. Uh, yeah, nothing has changed to, to make me think that they're going to fail in biosimilars or that they won't be a major player. I mean, this is a global company and you've got 600 million uh, uh, people living in the world right now who are over age 65. And by 2030, you're going to have a billion people who are over 65. There's a lot of demand uh, coming down the line for pharmaceuticals. And Mylan, both through generics and hopefully through biosimilars, is one of the largest by volume producers, producers of medicine that gets prescribed. Yeah, so I think when you look at this company, it's a really good learning opportunity to see that when share prices dip for reasons outside of what your original thesis was, if that thesis remains intact, that could be a really good time to buy some more of them if you are still confident in your thesis. I mean, this was something that I had to learn pretty quickly with one of the first stocks that I ever bought, which I've also talked about ad nauseum on this show, which is Portola Pharmaceuticals. So that stock went up a lot, it went down a lot, it's pretty much recovered by now. But through the process, I did buy a little bit more when share prices started to dip for the first time. And the last time that I bought more shares of it was right before it received a rejection from the FDA. And not surprisingly, after the rejection, share prices dropped even more. And I got kind of nervous. This was, you know, I, I was still relatively new at this. I really thought that I, I liked the bull case for this company. And I still believed in the bull case because even after that rejection, the drug wasn't done. It was, for uh, simplicity's sake, mostly just a manufacturing issue, which seemed completely surmountable. And so, I was happy looking at this now that I did decide to buy more as the share price was sinking, but I wish that I had bought even more when it actually did hit what ended up being the bottom. And of course, it's impossible to try to call a bottom when you're right in the thick of it. And you know, we're we're not trying to time the market, but I just I think it's an important lesson to learn that you have this thesis and you confidently support it. So act on it, and and if the if why you love this company remains intact, and some external force is driving shares down, then go ahead and scoop up some discounted stock. And Christine Portolo probably wasn't the only stock in your portfolio. No, <laughs> well, gosh, that would be terrifying. Right. I, would, I, mean, I would not sleep at night. Yeah, you have a lot more flexibility as an investor to um, to add to stocks that you still believe in. Uh, if you're running a diversified portfolio and and these stocks don't account for the majority of, of the moves, you know, it's just stay diversified. You know, 20 stocks, 30 stocks, 50 stocks, whatever is right for you, uh, maintain diversification. That'll, write, that'll give you the opportunity to, to do it as Christine did. Absolutely. So, Todd, as we wrap up, any other lessons from these stories or other ones that you just have to share before we close off? Well, you know, the one thing that I would, I, 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 there's two 
both of these companies are similar, right? Mylan and, um, and Align, in that they both have something disruptive going on. But there is a key difference between the two, and I underestimated that difference. The key difference is that 100% of the success or failure of a line is tied to its disruptive product. That's not the case with Mylan, right? Biosimilars is only uh, an adjacent market for them, right? Because they're already such a huge player. So they are, as, as a result, they were more at risk to something going wrong in another part of their business that would derail their otherwise potential growth in biosimilars. And I think that's something to keep in mind too. You know, you don't want to necessarily um, uh, not buy something, a company that has a diversified revenue stream, but you should recognize that, you know, so, so along the way things can happen to those other parts or other pieces of the business that may impact your share price. Right. So it seems like there are different types of risk that you're getting at. There's the risk of you are basically all your eggs in one basket kind of company, or you are a company that has 500 eggs and any one of them could crack. And theoretically, the one who's most um, exposed is going to be the one that's the riskiest. But it's also if you've done your homework and you truly believe in that you know, online retail e-commerce, right? whatever it happens to be truly believe in the long-term tailwind supporting that disrupt disruption, then it's the one that could generate you the greatest return. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so as we finally conclude, remember that it is Puzzle Week on Industry Focus. As you've heard from the other hosts so far this week, we love games here at Full HQ. Fun is one of our core values, as is competitive. So puzzles and challenges are a big part of how we team build and spark collaboration here at The Fool. And we love them so much that we had a chief collaboration officer, his name is Todd Etter, make us a challenge for our listeners. So we want to let you in on the office fun that we have, give you a little taste of Todd's challenges, which are so wildly brilliant and also really fun. So each day this week, the hosts are wrapping up the show with a clue. The answer to that clue is a company name, and the company names from Monday through Friday will all fit into a final puzzle that will be revealed on the Friday Tech Show. So if you want to solve the whole thing, you need to listen to every episode this week. And you mean what... I have to wait? <laughs> I know. Yes. Christina, I thought you were going to tell us today. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, oh. hey, I mean, we're investing for the long haul, so we're also puzzling over the long run, too. So, All right, so I'm getting my pencil and my paper ready. <laughs> All right, so uh, before I give you guys the clue, I will just say what you get for jumping through all of our clue hoops, which is that the first 10 listeners to shoot us an email after Friday's show with the five company names and also the final answer will get full swag. So, the healthcare clue, pencils out. What two-word Fortune 500 healthcare company has a first word that could also be a type of number, a religious person, a flying creature, or a World Series champion? So, again, <laughs> Todd, do not say the answer if you know what the answer is. All right, no, you got to repeat that. I will repeat it. All right, what two-word Fortune 500 healthcare company has a first word that could also be a type of number, a religious person, a flying creature, or a World Series champion. So, starting Friday, if you solve every clue, write into industryfocus at fool.com with the email subject line puzzle and your answers. Also, make sure to tell us your t shirt size. And if you're stumped and you want the reveal, on May 12th, we will post them to the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group and also the Industry Focus Twitter account. 
To enter this contest, there's no purchase necessary, and the contest is open to all legal residents of the United States and Canada, excepting residents of the province of Quebec, and you have to be over the age of 18. Employees, affiliates, and contractors and their families of the Motley Fool LLC or any of their affiliates are not eligible, void where prohibited by law. For a complete list of contest rules, visit puzzle.fool.com. And there you have it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening and Fool on! Fool on!